Welcome to Wellversed, where we bring biblical principles of governance to governmental leaders and you. This is the Wellversed Podcast. And now I'm going to take you to our first guest tonight. We're really honored to have with us Janet Porter. Janet, I'm going to ask you to take the first couple minutes and just give a biographical sketch, okay, if you would, about your life. You have done a lot. You've accomplished a lot. Now, folks, you're meeting, you're meeting one of the most seasoned, battle-scarred warriors that I've ever worked alongside. Uh, this is a, um, she is a stunning Esther and Deborah combined. Uh, and when she takes on a project, she is fearless, unintimidated by anything. I have enormous respect for this lady. She's a woman who's helped change America. So Janet, we sure appreciate you being on here. Tell a little bit about yourself. Then we're going to jump in to what you've done in the area of the pro-life movement, specifically personhood. So tell us a little bit about yourself first. Sure. Uh, I guess uh, my one of my best claim to fame on this program is a friend of Jim Garlow's for many years, so much so that uh, you still know me as Folger. Uh, I've since gotten married. It's now Janet Porter. Uh, if I run for office, I throw the Folger in there just in case someone's read a book or not. So it's Janet Folger Porter in that case. But uh, I've been I've been in the pro-life movement for uh, for a long time, uh, for most of my life. Uh, I worked to pass a lot of those incremental bills, the parental consent, the right to know, uh, even the nation's first ban on partial birth abortion, uh, fetal homicide. We, we did a lot of those things. But but at the end of the day, we still had a body count of over a million innocent children in this country. Um, and so you can call this movement a lot of things, but success wasn't one of them. And so if we wanted different results, we needed to try something different. And about 12 years ago, we had moved from Florida back to my home state of Ohio. My husband looked at me and, and out of the heart, the mouth speaks. He said, why don't you outlaw abortion while you're here? You know, and being a great woman of faith, I looked at my watch. You know, I'm here anyway. I, I could probably knock that out. Let's just knock it out while I'm here. And uh, I laughed at him. Uh, and two weeks later, God gave me the idea for a heartbeat bill that simply says, if a heartbeat's detected, the baby's protected. Uh, and we introduced it in my home state of Ohio. It was said to be a purple state at the time. Um, and they said it was impossible. But the motto of the state of Ohio is, with God, all things are possible, which has become a life motto of mine. Uh, we know the words are true because Jesus was the one who said them. And so what was once impossible of passing that heartbeat bill is now inevitable. As you know, they've been introduced now in 30 states, uh, have passed in 14, and I had the privilege of recruiting the sponsor of the Texas heartbeat bill, which ended up protecting 20,000 innocent lives before Roe versus Wade ever came crashing to the ground, to the ash heap of history. So that's a stadium full of people that just the Texas heartbeat bill protected. Uh, and now we have others that are going into effect. Ohio. How, how many states did you say have passed the heartbeat bill? There were 14. Um, now, some of those states have full protection now, uh, like, like the state of Tennessee, uh, like the state of Kentucky. Um, but they had passed heartbeat bills prior to this. South Carolina. Explain, explain the heartbeat bill versus full protection so people understand what you what the distinction is there? Sure. Uh, the, the heartbeat bill says, listen, originally I, I said, look, if we can't rescue every child, let's get as many as we can. Let's use that universal indicator of life, which is a heartbeat, a human heartbeat, because everyone knows if there's a heartbeat, there's life. That's what those heart monitors are for in those hospitals. They're not there for decoration. They're to measure that indicator of life that everyone recognizes is, uh, is, is, is if there's a heartbeat, there's a life. Um, and so uh, we are able to measure that baby's heartbeat. Uh, some say as early as six weeks. I believe it's actually sooner than that. 
could be as early as four or five weeks. Um, but it's not a six-week ban. It's a bill that protects every child whose heartbeat can be heard. You know, you've all seen the bumper sticker, abortion stops a beating heart. But with a heartbeat law, a beating heart will stop abortion. And it's now, it was once the ceiling. It was now the hype. It was once the high place. We, you know, we've got to get beyond regulating around the edges of abortion. Let's, let's get to the, let's get to the 10 yard line. Let's protect nine out of 10 babies. Um, and, and now what was once the ceiling is now the floor. A heartbeat law is the minimum that we should introduce in these states across the country. Even if you live in a purple state or a blue state, it's, it's like putting a billboard across your state that abortion stops a beating heart. And that alone, I mean, when we brought in the youngest to ever testify, a, a little nine-week-old baby via ultrasound, that, that baby's heartbeat was seen on newscasts across the state. And just that, that testimony before the vote was ever cast, even in committee, saved a life. Because just that message of the knowledge of your baby's beating heart is enough to make many women uh, realize this is a human being, this is a, a fellow member of our human family that's worthy of protection. And so it's uh, it got us down to the 10-yard line. The Dobbs decision was the pass that took it over the goal, but it was heartbeat laws that, that get us almost there. Um, and as I talked with Troy Newman just moments ago, it's it's now the bare minimum that we should be introducing across the country. And uh, we're seeing it was just upheld um, just this week uh, in the state of Georgia, uh, also the law in South Carolina. Ohio was uh, was our, our law was temporarily enjoined but because in the elections we won the uh, the three Supreme Court seats that we needed to win. Uh, we expect that the Ohio heartbeat law will be in full effect very soon, protecting at least nine out of ten of the babies in this state. When so, you say enjoined, you're saying it was suspended or it was stopped. That's right. They they held it up in a court. They they went judge shopping. They found a judge that that uh, that that temporarily uh, upheld the law uh, or struck down the law. Um, but uh, we expect that's going to be reversed very soon, just as we saw in the state of Georgia. By the way, I was just in Ohio, spoke there, and as I was re heading to the plane, I uh, connected for lunch with one of the state representatives there, Gary Click. Yes. And um, he presented me the plaque, the plaque of the Ohio State motto, with God, all things are possible. And I, I have that, I proudly display it here in my home now. I did, had no idea any state in the union had the motto, with God, all things are possible. That's right. That's pretty you Literally, you, you remember when you came to the Ohio State House, uh, if you had, had walked in from the Broad Street side of the State House, you would have seen it's emblazoned in our seal. It's 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 written down or it's it's chiseled into the the ground at the state house. So we had many state house rallies where we were literally standing, many times kneeling on the word of God. That yeah, they say it's impossible. Yes, we went up against the establishment, even groups that called themselves pro-life. But yet we 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 held firm to to our motto, to those words. Uh, and now the impossible has become in, the inevitable. You know, it's funny because uh, NPR did a story on me a while back. And uh, they were asking, I, I didn't return the, the NPR, calls. folks, is we, we try to avoid initials here, National Public Radio, which would right. not be friendly to someone like us. But go right ahead. So they did this story on who is Janet Porter and how do these heartbeat bills get introduced in 30 states? How did this happen? And I, I didn't return their calls, but they did a story anyway. And and, and the quote that, that, that really struck me was this. It said that, that it's not that Porter moved to the middle. It's that the, quote, entire political reality shifted around her. So think about this. We held fast to, to the word of God that we're going to stand for life even in the face of impossibilities. And the entire political reality shifted around me. It's not, it's not to brag on me, but it's to inform those who are watching that if you're
are a born-again Christian, you have the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead living inside you, that where you walk, the entire political reality will shift around you if you hold fast, if you're willing to stand firm and do whatever it takes uh, to get to get to that place where we see that victory. And that's where we are. I mean, there's so many stories uh, I can tell you. You were there, Jim, in 2011 when the, uh, the, the state senator came and pretended to be with us to speak at our rally and then spoke against our bill. Um, that's because let me set the stage for this because I sure. what you just heard from what you just heard from Janice, Janet here, Janet Porter, I I think is an enormous encouragement to you to stand firm. She is unflappable. She will not budge. And I'm gonna I'm gonna set the stage for what she's talking about, then have her give the backstory. She knows way more obviously about it than I do. Uh she she asked me to speak at an event, and I was so fiercely committed to what she stands for. I said, I'll do it, but the only way I can do it, I'm going to have to do a red eye and fly all night and get there in time for it. I'm not a red eye fan of red eyes at all. I, I sleep on planes, but I sure don't like flying all night. And so I flew all night, got there, and here we were. The Ohio State House, if you're not familiar with it, if you're from Ohio, you know about this, but it has a it has a covered courtyard. Mm -hmm. What's it called? It's called the atrium. The atrium. It's just really very nice. And so here we were. A stage set up in this this beautiful covered atrium, and all of us that were speaking on the platform, and then she had a big crowd there, and and we and, and Janet had worked so hard; she was right on the cusp of seeing this pass, right on the cusp. Victory was this close, and here came marching in. Let's see, it was a state senator, correct? Yes, Peggy Laner. And, and uh, here's a, a a female state senator, right, who came in and who was supposedly affiliated with right, even Right to Life. She hired me when I was legislative director of Ohio Right to Life. So I give her this glowing endorsement thinking she's going to you know, help us pass our bill. But go ahead. And I was sitting there right behind her along with a John a Wilkie, right? Yes, Dr. Wilkie, the founder of the pro-life movement. Who founded it. And we were shocked when the state senator came out against the, the heartbeat bill. Obliterated, just, just attacked it. I still have a scar in my back from the dagger, um, but but I remember the words you spoke. I don't know if you want to tell them, but but I can tell it as I recall it. <laughs> well, I I don't remember what I said. I remember steam coming out of my ears that this woman would do this to you, and to all the people who work so hard on this, and to do this to the babies whose lives could have been saved. And I, I, I Wilkie and I were looking at each other. That's the only time I was ever really with him. Uh, he's passed on to glory at this point, but and 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 we were in shock that a person would do this who claimed to be right to life. And I changed my talk right then. And I'm not necessarily a prophet or the son of a prophet, but a prophetic utterance came upon me that moment. And I don't remember what I said. You'd have to. You'd have I, I can tell you what you said. You okay. had talked about how you were fighting for for the life of, of of your your wife who was struggling with cancer at the time, and said if you have a doctor that doesn't believe in life, you find a new doctor. And if you have a senator that won't support life, you find a new senator. And at that time, the crowd erupted, and the whole state house was filled with the chanting, "Pass that bill, pass the bill." And it was it echoed throughout the Senate, throughout the state house. And she she Peggy Laner who came up and stabbed us in the back basically uh, put her tail between her legs and, and got off the stage and realized that she had been shouted down at this rally and shown to be a fraud. It was really, uh, it was an amazing moment, but it wasn't my favorite story. I'll, if you got a minute, I'll tell you my favorite story of the entire battle. 
We've got plenty of time. Okay, well, <laughs> it was 2018. We had already faced, uh, we had passed it through the House many times, but the Senate was the problem. But we had got it, got it through, uh, and, and, and we were vetoed by John Kasich, you know, the guy that ran for president and then spoke as a Republican and then spoke at the, the Democratic National Convention, uh, the guy that betrayed babies. Well, he had vetoed the bill once already. And here it is, 2018, we had introduced the bill four times in two-year sessions. It's the eighth year of fighting. And so we, we knew that to get this bill, we were going to have to have a veto-proof margin, something we had never had before. Um, it means 60 out of the 99 members had to vote for this thing. And uh, one of the, our champion, Ron Hood, who uh, had actually back in, the, back in the 90s, was with me when we passed the state's first discharge petition to pass the nation's first ban on partial birth abortion. He was a champion then, and he came back uh, and, and, and ran for office and was the champion for the heartbeat bill. And he says, Jan, why don't we just wait? We know there's a new pro-life governor coming in next year. And, and, and I just believe, Jim, it's never the wrong time to do the right thing. That if you have a chance to protect babies, no matter the odds, you take that chance. Uh, and so I said, no, no, no. They promised us a vote after the election. You hold them to their word. I want that vote. And so uh, what happened was they said, well, guess what, Jan? Uh, the vote's going to be tomorrow at 1 o'clock. We're 15 votes short. 15 votes short. In one day, we had to get 15 votes we never had. It was virtually, not virtually, it was impossible. I remember uh, dropping my husband off at the airport. It's four in the morning on a Tuesday. I'm driving down to Columbus. I'm talking to a friend of mine. Who's, and I just said, this is going to take an act of God. And he says, just matter of factly, isn't that what you're counting on all along? And so I lobbied. I, I learned a technique from our friend uh, Tom DeLay, former U.S. Majority Leader. He says, you know what? Turn the members into whips. And so I had a list of all the votes we needed, and I'd, I'd get to one rep and say, can you get me this guy? Can you get me these two? Can you get me these 10? And so I'm trying to get the votes. You know how it is when, when the vote is cast, everybody likes coming the day of the vote. You know, they get their selfies, or all wear red to show we're unity of the heartbeat bill. And, but, but the day the work needs done, nobody showed up. I'm down there alone trying to get members to help me get votes. And by the next day, we were still two or three votes short, which is pretty miraculous in itself. You know, we picked up, you know, 12, 13 votes. So I meet with our one Democrat. His name is Bill Patman. He's a guy that's an African-American uh, guy, taller, twice as tall as I am. He's a Democrat. He's so pro-life that the caucus of the Democrats won't even let him meet with them. He's on the outskirts of the Democratic Party. And I meet with him. I said, I said, Bill, we're going to need another Democrat if we have a shot to override this veto. And we tag team a guy, couldn't get him. I said, there's one other guy. I said, his name is Glenn Holmes, and I take out my highlighter, and I said, these are his concerns. And I said, we've got 20 minutes. Text me if you get them. And so uh, the session begins, and you know what? What I believe is happening now in America is that the wheat and the tares are maturing. And it used to be back in the day, I'd get a handful of Democrats on pretty much any bill I had, whether it's parental notice or right to know or fetal homicide or any of these bills, but we had one. We only had one. So, so I go through the gauntlet. They've got T-shirts, Jim, they're wearing, they say pro-abort witch. They got earrings this big that are, 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 are pentagrams, and they all have their phones aimed at me. It's lovely. And so we get, we get through this because the wheat and the tares are, are maturing. We are seeing the fruit of the evil, and we're seeing the fruit of the good. And so we went up to, I went up to the gallery. I take my spot. I get a text as the session begins, and it simply says, from Bill Patman, our Democrat, and it says, done. I'm like, oh, my goodness. We've, we've got another Democrat. We, we got a shot at overriding this veto. And right then, the Democrats call for a recess. 
And so I go downstairs outside the chamber and you know, I'm pretty short. I'm, I'm looking through the, the window, standing on my tiptoes and Bill Patman comes up to me. I just hugged him. And he says, he says, you know what's happening now, don't you? I said, what's that? He says, the Democrats called for a recess so they could threaten this guy, Glenn Holmes, this other Democrat, that he dare not vote for the heartbeat bill or he will risk his political life. His career is over. And I just said, is he going to hold firm? He says, I don't know. So we held hands outside the chamber that day and we prayed. And the session goes on and the pro aborts are screaming or the, the, the legislators described it as demonic. They were screaming nonstop. But the, the debate goes on, two and a half hours go by and, and, and we need 60 votes, 60, six zero. And I had been told not to take pictures from the gallery because uh, that's not allowed, but my intern had not been told. So I said, listen, when that vote is cast, you take a picture of that board. I need that board uh, uh, of, of the roster of the votes. He says, I got it. And the vote is called. And it comes out 58, I need 60, and it comes out 58.35. I'm like, man, you know, I, I thought we had more votes than that. Something's not right. So we go downstairs and we, we're looking at the phone and see where the votes were. 10 minutes go by, we've already lost. 58 votes isn't enough to override a veto. It's enough to pass the bill, but not to override the veto. We know that's coming. And Glenn Holmes, our Democrat that they threatened, went forward and voted yes. It's now 59.35. And I'm looking at the roster. There's a lady whose name's in orange, Marilyn Schlaby. I said, why is her name in orange? Should be a green vote, should be a yes vote. They said, well, you know, maybe maybe she's not here. I said, no, no, I gave her a gift bag with the heart chocolates and the talking points and the pain. I gave her one. They said, well, maybe, maybe they flipped her. I said, no, no, not this one. She was a co-sponsor. Her husband was a co-sponsor when he held the seat before her. And uh, one of the men came up and said, I'll, I'll identify as a self-identify as a female, look for in the ladies room if it'll help. And we didn't do that. But we got the phone number of her husband from one of the reps on the floor. I called him up. I said, Lynn, it's Janet Porter. Your wife's the swing vote. We need her back. We've got three bills on the roster. We have less than an hour. We, we, we need her back here. And he said to me those words that I'll not forget. He said, that's impossible. You say that that's impossible to me. I'm going to introduce you to the God of the impossible. And I said to him, I said, listen, um, you know, we didn't come this far to lose by one vote. I said, can you pull off the highway? Because I'm on my way to get her right now. And so there's one group outside the state house, outside the chamber. I said, you guys pray. Another group, I said, you tell him, you go get Ron Hood. You tell him to stall until I get back. And I took off running and I grabbed my coat. It's now snowing. It is now a full blizzard. I run two and a half blocks to my car. And I get there and I realize I'm out of breath. I, I don't have my keys. And this man walks up to me, very calm, very at peace, and just says, here, you drop these in the crosswalk, two, two blocks, two and a half blocks. Oh. He's, oh. Either, he's either a marathon runner or he's an angel. And so I remembered, hey, this kid I had to take the picture, my intern, Joshua Lavity, his mom used to be an intern for me at Right to Life back in the day. I said, call your mom. She lives right there by the Bob Evans where our swing vote is waiting. Have her pick her up. Drive south while I drove north. We met in Mansfield. And, and here's the thing. The one that knows the rules, rules. So I'm driving like a maniac, apologizing for not driving in the most pro-life of manners. And, uh, and I get a call from Ron Hood. He says, you can slow down. He says, because we, we've convinced the speaker to not adjourn but to recess the chamber. If they recess the chamber, then two members can, can close it out, can have a, a session and close it out. One is our champion, Ron Hood, and the other is the lady in my car. We get to the state house. It was like some kind of movie where Ron Hood, our heartbeat champion, has the gavel in his hand, 
All the stories are already written, Jim. It's over. We've lost. All the news report has already gone out. It's over. The heartbeat bill is dead. They didn't know that Marilyn Slaby, still in her coat, walked forward as, as he pounded the gavel on the, on the, uh, on the, the, the podium. He said House Bill 253 for third consideration, and Marilyn Slaby, still wearing her coat, signs the yes vote. And I just collapsed to my knees and started sobbing. That's how we overrode the veto in the House of Representatives so that we could get the heartbeat bill through. This is, this is what, what it's going to take. It's going to take us being willing to do whatever it takes. And that's really, people say, how did the heartbeat bill become law? How did this happen around America? It's that we just wouldn't quit. We wouldn't give up. And we're willing to do whatever it takes to make it happen, even though a lot of people weren't very happy. In fact, uh, USA Today did an article uh, a week, two weeks ago, and, uh, and this is what they said, that Porter's tactics were as divisive as they were effective. I'll take that, um, because we even ran against these guys uh, when it came to it. I ran against the Senate president, not a very popular move, um, but you've got to be willing to do whatever it takes. If we want our country back, um, then we need to do what it takes to get it back. And, uh, and if, if this is what I know, that if once you've seen Goliath fall, there's no one that can tell me it can't be done. Roe versus Wade is now in the ash heap of history. The curse over America is broken. What we need to do now is we need to rise up and take our country back. The evil has come. The wheat and the tares are now mature. And what's happened? The evil, we're seeing the fruit of evil. We're seeing it in Vermont and California and Michigan where Prop, uh, Prop 1 in California, Prop 3 in Michigan, there's abortion until birth, mutilating children without parental notice or consent. The evil is coming to flourishing. But it's time for the children of God to grow up, for the church of God to speak up, and for us to stand up and not quit until we get our country back. Because, you know, it says in the Psalms that, that the heavens, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. We're supposed to be running this place, and we're not doing a very good job of it because the people of God don't know the power and the authority that they've been given. You know, if, if, if what we read in the Bible is true, and that is, that is that, that all power and all authority has been given to Jesus, that means that somebody has none of it. The enemy has none of it. And what we don't realize is he's given that power, that authority to occupy until he comes to us, the people of God, that, that the word of God is true, that with God, all things are possible, that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Yeah, it looks like right now our country's burning down, but this is the moment we stand up and say, if I perish, I perish. I'm going to stand like the Hebrew children uh, in the fiery furnace. We're going to see that the God of America, that we are one nation under God. That's what that pledge we make. That, 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 you know, that, that, that we're one nation under God, that this is, this is what we believe as Americans. And it's time for Americans, for the patriots, for the Christian church to rise up and to take it back. And that's what I believe. And, and that's in the battles that we're moving forward as we stand for marriage, as we stand for our liberties, as we stand for, for election integrity. It is critical or it's not going to matter who's the nominee in, in 2024. We've got to get our, we've got to get our voting integrity back. Um, get back to, to, to showing voter ID, a photo ID to vote, to the, the paper ballots um, and the sequential watermark paper ballots so that we have, a, a via, we have a, a accountability that we, we can trust but verify. You know, we need to get rid of these machines that can plug into systems and other computers from off-site and change votes. That's, that's got to stop. Um, and it's going to take leadership in the U.S. House of Representatives to do it. I know that there are some who are willing to stand, and uh, I, I couldn't be happier and couldn't be more encouraged to see um, those who are saying, we're not going to take the, the standard Republican leadership that is really 
made, they promised us, they promised us the world. We faced it in Ohio for a decade. You know, they used babies to get elected, but, but instead of using elections to save babies, they never do the things they promise. Something's got to change. And I believe we need to stand with those who are willing to make that change. You can see why anytime I get a call from Janet Porter and she says, uh, I want to ask you a favor. I just say, yes, whatever you're going to ask them, yeah, by all means, we're going to do the woman of God. And you, when you saw her walk through how great is our God and what we need to do to overcome evil in this culture, let me do a paraphrase of what I said in the Ohio State House that time when she invited me to come out there and speak. If your pastor is not talking like Janet Porter's talking about, it's time for you to get a new pastor. Well, let's move right on very quickly from that one. Okay, having said that, Janet, I wanna ask you this question. Some tough news, California Proposition 1. It is brutal in its language. Proposition 3 in Michigan, and you referenced Vermont. What happened in those three states and what do we have to do? Where, where are we kind of state by state on this at, at this point in winning this battle to defend life in the womb? Sure, uh, since Roe's demise, uh, we're about a dozen states that are abortion free. Alabama, Arkansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Mississippi, Missouri, Oklahoma, Texas, South Dakota, Tennessee, Wisconsin, and West Virginia. Now there are about, uh, my latest count, I've got about eight states that are on the verge of being abortion free, but their trigger laws, their post-abortion row, uh, post-row abortion bans are, are being enjoined by the court. They're working their way through the court system. So got another seven there. Um, South Carolina and Georgia have heartbeat laws, uh, uh, as well as uh, Ohio, which will soon be in effect when, when the Supreme Court makes a ruling of the state Supreme Court. So we're looking at really a, a break right now that, that we're, we're looking right now to see who are the sheep states and who are the goat states. And uh, I wanna say that, that if you live in a deep blue state, do not lose heart because there is another effort that, that we have been, uh, been working on actually since 2017, and that is a federal heartbeat bill. It's not to say that's the end all, it's, but it's the starting place. It's the minimum that we need to see pass in Congress. And so if that happens, what that means is that a federal heartbeat bill uh, in a different administration signed into law by hopefully a, a President Trump, for example, uh, will be able to reach into the deepest blue California, New York and Michigan. And so we're gonna see at least every child whose heartbeat can be heard protected in law and that's uh, and that's a, that's an encouraging thing. So so don't don't lose heart. Don't be discouraged because it's not over. Um, and I believe that God is not through with America. Yes, we are in perilous times, and yes, it's going to take us now standing uh, uh, standing up together because because this is what I know about God. Not only is He the God of the impossible, but He is famous for working through remnants. You know what? It doesn't take a majority to win our country back. Just look at just look at what the what the what the homosexual activists did. They lost 28 states in a row on the issue of marriage before the court gave them their ruling. You know what? They didn't quit. They didn't back up. They're a very small percentage, uh, one to two percent of the population. And yet look what they've done in the corporate world, the entertainment world, and you know, the the the, the rainbow flags that are that are, are flying over over embassies. It's 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 really uh something to, to realize that 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 again, even look at America. All right, you want some encouragement? You know that in America. We were up against, in, in, in 1776, we're up against the most powerful nation on earth, England. You know what? We didn't have a chance. We're a ragtag team of patriots, and, and we have, we have no, no, no real resources, no real ammunition, no real, no real uh, uh, supplies. Guess what? Um, only 7 to 8% of the people participated in the American Revolution. If you did a, if you did a poll, George Barnard did a poll in, in uh, 1775, you know what they find? 
that only a quarter of America wanted to be America. Uh, they, 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 we were in the minority. We were a fraction of the percentage. And because we as Americans made an appeal to heaven, that's our first flag, by the way. You've seen it with the, with the pine tree and it says an appeal to heaven. Our founders knew of the writings of John Locke. They said, when you don't know what else to do, make an appeal to heaven. And you know what? We did that. It flew over our first revolutionary ships. It captured British ships that gave us ammunition, supplies, and food that, are, are, that we needed to win this war. We made an appeal to heaven, and we conquered the most powerful nation on earth because uh, God heard that appeal, and he said yes. And that's where we are right now. We need to make an appeal to heaven. Yes, we've got a thin majority in the, in the uh, U.S. House right now, um, but we need to have leadership that will, will do what they say and not just uh, uh, make promises they never intend to keep. And so that's another battle that we need to be engaged in to stand with those who are willing to stand for change. But, but we need to stand for marriage. You know, people say, oh, it's all lost because a Obergefell came down. No, no, no. A Obergefell didn't settle the issue of marriage any more than Roe versus Wade settled the issue of abortion. We stand for righteousness. We stand for what is right. In fact, I, I made a documentary. Uh, in fact, you're in it, Jim. Uh, 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 back in 2015, we released a documentary called Light Wins. Uh, why? Because in the battle between darkness and light, light wins. It's how to overcome the criminalization of Christianity. I just put an email out today. Marriage matters because our liberties are on the line. It, 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 they, the two go hand in hand. That if we lose on marriage, then we lose on liberty. And that we'll be, we'll be forced to, to bow to, to the homosexual agenda, to uh, acknowledge marriages that God, say are not, God says is not legitimate. And so if you want to stand and you want to have the freedom to stand, then we've got to fight. We've got to fight right now uh, like our liberty depends on it, because that's where we are right now, where they're trying to criminalize Christianity. It's a book I wrote back in 2005. Um, and it's, it's, it's people, people when I wrote at the time, I remember people telling me, Jan, this is hyperbole. Come on, this is no, this has got to be an exaggeration. Christians going to jail in America for for standing for 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 marriage, for standing for 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 Christ, for righteousness, and uh, every single thing I predicted, sadly, in that book came true. Um, and what we need to do is realize there's still a chance for us to take it back, but we've got to stand now. Um, this the, the time of 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 uh, lukewarm believing and and sitting on your hands. Um, we we've got to stand against. I think there's really three lies that we've got to overcome right now. Lie number one. Is, 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 is being told to the churches right now, and that is that the church should stay out of politics. That's lie number one. And that's the lie that has left us with a body count of, of 63 million dead children. That's, that's because the church stayed out of it. And I know you're a part of, of gathering pastors, uh, Jim, the, the Black Robe Regiment. That's the hope for America. If the pastors rose up today, we would have our country back tomorrow. Um, and that's the key. Lie number one, that the church is supposed to stay out of politics. When you, when you stay out of politics, you empower the enemy. You enable tyrannical rule. Uh, line number two, uh, the enemies are too big. Giants are too big. You know, if you read what happened in, in Joshua, you, know, you all know the majority report. Moses sent the, uh, the spies into the land. They said, you know, give us a report back. And the majority said, the giants make us look like grasshoppers. Let's, let's retreat. We've got to give up, right? But you know what? That was a lie. If you read in Judges, when the, when the two spies are meeting with Rahab, she basically told them the lie. This is what she said. She said, I knew that the Lord has given you this land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. We thought that they, they, we thought that they looked at, that we looked like grasshoppers to them. That's not what, that's not what was, was the truth. The truth was our hearts melted. 
neither did there remain any more courage of anyone because of you for the Lord your God. He is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. They heard about the, the sea parting. And even though we were afraid of these giants, they were terrified of the Israelites. And so they believe the lie that the giants are too big. Let me tell you something. It says in Isaiah that God sits above the circle of the earth. All right. It's interesting that, that, that when, when science had it wrong and said the earth was flat, the Bible was actually right. That God sits above the circle of the earth. And it says its inhabitants, everybody on it, is like grasshoppers. So any giant that we fear that occupies this land is like a grasshopper to our God. And so we need to be as David did. He didn't listen to CNN, the, the Canaanite news network that said, you know, uh, you know, it, it looks like Goliath is undefeated. Take a look at that sword. And he didn't every day hear the programming of, of the enemy. He, he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that dare defy the armies of the living God? Because his eyes were on the God above this circle of the earth and everything on it is like a grasshopper to him. And that's what we need to understand, that the giants that seem too big, they are nothing to our God. That's lie number two. Um, and lie number three is, well, there's nothing we can do about it. Nothing we can do about it. And let me tell you something, that is a lie from the pit of hell. That again, all it takes is a remnant to stand in these times. Let me, let me give you one more story. A mentor of mine, I think you knew her as well, Phyllis Schlafly, was, was a dear friend. She actually endorsed me when I ran against the Senate president. Uh, I, I just, I love this woman. She stood against the Equal Rights Amendment, lovely sounding phrase, but with the Equal Rights Amendment came abortion, homosexual agenda, years and decades before it really hit our shores. And she stood against this freight train virtually alone. When the vote was taken in the House, it was 435 uh, out of 435 members, only 23 voted against the Equal Rights Amendment. In the Senate, out of 100 votes, there was only eight who voted against the Equal Rights Amendment. She, she'd tell the story that there was no Rush Limbaugh, there was, there was no social media, there was no Fox News, we still don't have Fox News now, but she said there was nothing, there was all of Hollywood, three presidential administrations, rules that were broken to extend the deadlines. She had seen 30 states pass the Equal Rights Amendment. It was a freight train that was unstoppable, but she stood and she stood alone. And in the House of the Illinois, you know, in the Chamber of Illinois, a House of Representatives, they, they, uh, they took a vote and, the, and the, the ERA people were supposed to win. But the host of Nightline asked the founder of National Organization of Women, Eleanor Schmiel, and he said this, he said, Ms. Schmiel, you said you had the votes. What happened? And her reply, as Phyllis tells us, and I put it in the movie, in the Light Winds movie, she said, she said, she replied, there was something very powerful working against us. And I certainly don't mean people. Think about that. If the founder of the National Organization of Women can recognize that there was something very powerful working against them, that, not, that wasn't human, then how is it that the people of God don't recognize that there is something very powerful working with us as we stand with him? The Equal Rights Amendment failed because one woman stood. If you want your country back, it's going to take some courage. It's going to take you to, to stand, to get with the remnant, and, and to not give up, to do whatever it takes. And that's where we are right now. And I think one of the issues where the battle is the hottest, Martin Luther said it this way, hey, if you're faithful on all battlefronts besides where the battle is the hottest, he said, you're a traitor to the cause. You can fight for, you know, climate change, all the, all the kinds of things, littering, whatever you want. You can fight on all these issues. But right now, in my opinion, where the battle is the hottest is on voter integrity. 
because if we don't have uh, uh, every vote county, we don't have the 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 uh, the right to cast our votes and elect our leaders. We don't have, as, as Dinesh D'Souza said, we don't have a democracy. We have a criminal cartel masquerading as a democracy. So we've got the evidence. We've got the proof. We've shown it even back in the in the in the 2020 elections. But where is the Republican leadership that's going to bring the accountability? Where is the justice? I wake up, I wake up most mornings, uh, Jim, crying out to God for justice, like I never have before. We need leadership to stand up and to hold these leaders who represent us to be accountable, to bring the, the to bring voter integrity back to the polls. Because until we have that, we have we have nothing. We have no country left. It's interesting that sometimes we're accused of being in the hip pocket of the Republican Party. We're not. We're firstly committed to Jesus. That's the party I belong to, the Jesus Party. There uh, is a vote taking place. There are 12, 12 senators who sold us down the river in the Senate on marriage. There are 47 representatives in the House of Representatives, Republicans, that sold us down the river. If I had the capacity, I'd remove every one of them from, from office. Yeah. I, 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 have, I have no no connection with them whatsoever. So the issue is not Republican versus Democrat. It's the issue of, of good versus evil that we're talking about. We're, we're, we're a nation that's on the verge of all three branches of government endorsing that for which God destroyed Sodom. And then we assume naively, we sing our little song, God bless America. And we assume that God won't look up, look down and say, you know what, I've kind of had it. 62 million babies are killed and they want to, they want to be like Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, President Xi, uh, CP and China, do what you want to them. Take them out. I mean, there's no particular reason why God should be defending America at this point, given what the way we've walked. At the same time, there is a remnant that's crying out to God, and that small number. Uh, he couldn't get small enough, uh, 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 he couldn't get hardly any in Sodom, obviously, and so it went down the, the tube. Uh, but at the same time, we cry out as a small group of people uh, desiring to see truth and justice prevail in our nation. I, I, I would like you to walk through those numbers again that you said, you said 12 states are abortion free. Praise God for that. Yeah. Eight states are on the verge of it. Right. And I didn't know if I catch the next line. I didn't know if I caught right. Seven states have the heartbeat law or did yeah. I miss it in addition to the eight? Am I am I correct on that? Well, there were 14 that passed it, but some like Tennessee and Kentucky. I don't count them as heartbeat laws now, even though they passed it um, because yes, they, have, yes. they have full protection. All right. So yes. that's, better. that's better than heartbeat. All right. So, so the three the three that are heartbeat enacted. right? Well, two that are enacted are South Carolina and Georgia. And Ohio soon will be, just as I predicted that Georgia was temporarily enjoined, that they would be upheld, they are upheld, and Ohio soon will be. So we'll have three heartbeat laws. So you add that, so you've got 15, you got the you got the 12 that are abortion free. You add the other three uh, that are nine out of 10, that are almost abortion free. Okay, so that's 12, 13, 14, 15 states. And then you've got an additional uh, uh, eight that will be, or that they're, they're right now going through the courts with their trigger ban and, and, and those things that are happening. By the way, Roe versus Wade is no more. It is finally in the ash heap of history. And so those battles, I believe, are eventually gonna get to the court and see that see those things overturned so that we get these bills enacted. So I, I believe we're, we're at a place where it's uh, 15 plus, uh, uh, let's see, another eight. Um, so what is that? Give me your math here. Uh, 23, 23. Three. All right, so that's almost half the country that are either abortion-free, almost okay. abortion-free, or soon will be. Okay, the case of California, where they put it into the Constitution, Michigan, into the Constitution, 
uh, at least I know California is, I think uh, Michigan was a constitutional amendment, right? It was. And so that being the case, um, will those, can those be challenged to the, to the state court, the Supreme Court? Is there some grounding for getting those uh, driven out at a Supreme Court level at all? What do you see as the methodology there for those states? You know, I've asked about that, especially, uh, you know, I, I spent many weeks in Michigan working on that. Is there a way to uh, make these appeals uh, to, to the federal level when it's a state Supreme Court issue? Um, by the way, we won at the original level. We had their ballot initiative thrown out because they had a string of, of letters with no spaces in them. I'm like, you can't even read this. This makes no sense. Um, and we, we, we challenged it and we won at the lower court level. And then it was appealed to the Michigan Supreme Court. And we lost at that at that level. I mean, look. What's the price of liberty? What's the price of life? It's eternal vigilance. All right, we've got to fight at every level. Um, and I believe that what's going to have to happen, uh, not only in Michigan, California, Vermont, uh, Kansas did the same thing. We've got to, to have another Supreme Court. We've got to now have another state amendment to, uh, to un undo what they did. Um, but here's the deal. We were outspent 35 to 1, 400 million to about 40 million. All right, think about this. A lot of that is blood money, 400 million. A lot of it is Soros and, 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 and a lot of it's abortion money. But, but the bottom line is we, sh we shouldn't be outspent that much. We saw it in, in, uh, in Michigan. They had, uh, what did they say, 42 million uh, that they put in in Michigan to our maybe 20 million or less. Um, it's, it's time where we need, to, we need to open up our wallets and say, you know what? Um, I don't want to be, I don't want to live in a goat state. I don't want to be in a state that kills children, and I'm willing to write a check to make sure of that. And so it's going to take more than just our, our prayers. It's going to take us putting our faith to action. It's going to take us opening up our wallets and saying, you know what, I'm going to make some sacrificial donations to these efforts because that's what it's going to take. I mean, I remember back in 2013, I was testifying uh, with the, uh, our, our attorneys. We were testifying for the Kansas heartbeat bill. And there was a divide and the pro-life movement didn't like it. And they said, it's not the right time to protect children, all of the rest. And they, they missed their opportunity to see hearts, beating hearts protected. And you know what happened? The evil came in and filled that void and got that state constitution changed to have abortion in it. And that's what happened just now in Michigan. They turned down because Michigan right to life opposed the heartbeat bill. It failed when it would have passed in Michigan. And evil came in and filled the void, and now they've got abortion until birth in their state constitution. California's different. Um, they've been pro-abortion for a long time, but I'm going to tell you something. Um, I think California has more uh, is more red than we believe. Um, I think that, that what we've got to realize is that for the people of God, I spoke with a, a state senator that you recommended I speak to, just so encouraging that those are willing to stand and be a very bright light in a very dark place. I still have hope for California. I still have hope that the people of God will rise up and take it back in what I believe is the most dangerous state legislature. But we've got to, we've got to reverse that. But until then, we've got the federal heartbeat bill that can reach into those states and say, no, 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 no matter where you live, if a heartbeat's detected, that baby's protected. And that's the bill we need to see at the federal level, which is why we need leadership not those who are opposing us, who, who claim to be pro-life, um, yet they've blocked our heartbeat bill. They've blocked our efforts to defund Planned Parenthood and all the rest. Um, we need new leadership in the U.S. House of Representatives that is willing to do what it takes to keep hearts beating and to, and to uphold our, our liberty, our voter integrity, to repeal Obamacare, all the things they've promised for all these years, but they never do it. You want to know why abortion is legal in America? It's Republicans. 
Republicans in name only. That's why the killing continues. It's this it's this uniparty where they all say we're just going to just going to hold on to power for the sake of power. They forget. Republicans forget that they hold on to power to do good. The Democrats don't forget. They get a hold of power and they do evil. And they do as much evil as they can. They're now off the charts in evil. But Republicans, it seems as though they need they need courage to match what they say are their convictions, to go along with the, the planks of the Republican platform, which many are Republicans in name only, uh, they deny them. They, they pretend they're pretenders, they're pro-life pretenders, and we've got to call them out. Henry Coilar is the last Democrat pro-lifer that I'm aware of. He's from way south Texas. Uh, Daniel Lempinski, before him, was the, the second to the last pro-lifer that I'm aware of in the House of Representatives from Illinois. He got primaried out by radical leftists in his own party. Uh, so we're, we're down to, in the entire Democratic Party, and uh, House Representatives won. And in the Senate, on a good day, Joe Manchin is. On a bad day, he's not. We can't count, you just can't count on him uh, tragically in, anymore. Um, Janet, I wanted to be, you know, people know where your website is and the books you've written. And you referenced a couple times the movie or the video that you produced. So give your website and uh, then your book, Criminalizing Christianity, and or any others for that matter, uh, give that information to us so they know where to go to pick that up. Sure. Uh, the uh, The latest book I've written is called A Heartbeat Away. Uh, see if I can get this where it's not blurred. Maybe I can. And it's it's uh, how the heartbeat bill will pierce the heart of Roe versus Wade and the shocking betrayal no one saw coming. That's the most recent. This is how to see the impossible bow to the name of Jesus, no matter what battle it is. It's not just heartbeat. It's any other issue that you're willing to take a stand on. Um, the book that I wrote uh, of, of uh, the criminalization of Christianity was updated with this documentary uh, called Light Winds, How to Overcome the Criminalization of Christianity. You're in it. I'm very grateful for your uh, leadership of being in it. Uh, and it's it's the case for marriage. Uh, there's a 30-minute version. There's a 100-minute version. People have shown it in their churches. It's been in theaters. Um, but it's it's a way to uh, to really uh, a stand uh, in the face of all of this this craziness, the transgender movement, the whole homosexual movement. Um, is there hope for change? The answer is yes. And you'll hear it from people who have left homosexuality behind. I mean, I've written other stuff like uh, What's a Girl to Do, which will soon be soon be a, uh, a sitcom. Jim, I don't know if you know that. Uh, we have filmed a full season of What's a Girl to Do, the sitcom, uh, and uh, we're working on season two because, you know, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. What's, what's this sitcom about? Well, what, what, you know, I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired of of doing nothing more than protest and 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 and, 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 and boycotting. You know what? We need to do, do more than react, respond. What channel is this on? Well, it's not done yet. It's in post-production right now. We're going to pitch it around to all, all we'll, we'll stream it, but we'll also pitch it around to a whole bunch of different networks. But it's it's basically, uh, it's it's kind of like my life. It's it's a, a pro-family activist that's uh, kind of making her way through life. Uh, while I was single, it's my single life. It's got a lot of disaster dates in this thing. Um, but it's, it's, it's. There's uh, disaster dates. There's a disaster lot. Disaster dates. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, to say. But you know, it, I got married late in life, and I, I have a lot of material as a result. And uh, and it's 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 about not. Wait, and you're and you're starring in this sitcom. I'm I'm you know my husband everybody's saying you know don't find an actor find an actor. I'm like you know what um I I I, I want to play myself. You know if you want to want to say that that's a bad idea then then make a sitcom and don't play yourself. But I just thought it's too fun. I it would it would drive <laughs> me crazy. 
to watch some actor put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. And, and I want to I want to be able to deliver the lines as they are. And this is the deal. I don't have to write. I just have to remember the different battles that we've been in and the different, you know, the different giants we've seen fall. Um, it's it's um, it's 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 something that is different than anything I've done before. It was the book that I had to get talked into. In fact, Robert Davi, he plays in uh, Expendables 3. He was in The Goonies. He was in Die Hard. Uh, he's been in like 130 movies. He's, he plays the agent that talks me into writing a book on dating. When I told him, I said, look, I don't even, I don't even read a book on dating. I, you know, I can't even write a pamphlet on dating. He says, no, no, that's why you need to write one. I'll give you, I'll give you a little insight. On the back of the book, all right, it's things to do with your ex-boyfriend's shirt. All right, here's the choices. A, you could return it cleaned and pressed in time for his next date. So number two is you could sew it into a pillow to cry on. Or choice three, you could use it to clean out the crud in your refrigerator. Um, I chose I chose three. I didn't have a date for years after this book, but um, but it's it's just it's just fun. It's just just very silly and fun. And now, do, do, we, do we need to have you back on just talking about dating? I, I think maybe we do because uh, there's a lot of lessons I've learned and a lot of what not to do. Um, I, I, there's chapters on on Mr. Wrong. I mean, I'm just telling you, uh, there are a lot of Mr. Wrongs. But but I've learned in the process, and there is there are some things, some lessons to be gleaned. Um, some have called it uh, no sex in the city. It's kind of a, 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 a it's a, it's really half documentary, half com, half uh, 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 sitcom, but it's. It's really um, a way to to disciple a nation. I mean, you know what? We've been we've been complaining about the evil that's being pumped like a sewage system through our our airwaves. Um, this is an alternative. Instead of just reacting and responding, instead of boycotting and protesting, we can actually create, tip in, you know, tap into the creator um, and 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 create something better. Create something that that can reach the lost, that can disciple nations, and do it while having fun. And that's that's the whole point. I've never had so much fun as I have making the sitcom. I mean, literally, we're laughing morning to night because the actors that are part of it are just so talented. I mean, I come with a script. It's sort of like a launching pad, but then they take it like a rocket and make it so much better than uh, than I've written. And it's 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 exciting. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'll tell you one actor. Um, his name is Rich Swingle. He won the Actors' Choice Award at the film festival of, of Christian Film Festival of all the all the actors. He was the audience choice, and he says, "I've been I've been acting full time for I think it was 25 years." And he says, "My favorite scene of my career was episode eight of What's a Girl to Do, where um, there's a scene about about Christmas, and I'm I'm challenging the neighborhood association who wanted to take away our 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 manger scene. All this really happened, and her name was really Karen." Believe it or not, Karen from the Neighborhood Association is, t is basically, you know, coming after me for a, a nativity scene in my front yard. And someone stole the Jesus. I'll, I've not given away too much, but the end of the scene, um, the, 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 I did, this really happened in real life. Um, I just put a sign between Mary and Joseph and they stole my Jesus. I said, all right, here's the sign. He is not here. He is risen. So that's sort of the end of, of, of one of the episodes. <laughs> that isn't one of his favorite part. But, but that, that, that of all of this 25 years, he said there was a dream scene where Jesus shows up. And that is his favorite scene of his entire career. And so there's a lot of um, there's a lot of fun. There's a lot of creativity, but it's done with a purpose. It's got meaning and a message behind it. And uh, I think people are going to think people are going to like it. It's, it's refreshing to watch something that doesn't assault our beliefs, that doesn't assault our God and his values. We're going to have you back on and talking about dating. Uh, <laughs> okay. this will, you, you continue to amaze me. As we, as we cap off right now, would you just lead in prayer for America and uh, for protection for the babies in the womb? 
And this is going to launch us right into a time of prayer. So, Father, I just uh, I just lift up an appeal to heaven flag to you. Lord, our founders did it. We do it now, too. We don't know what else to do. We make an appeal to you and we ask for God for mercy because of a remnant that is sold out because we have stood fast and because we have we have turned now nearly half the country either abortion free or soon to be abortion free. Lord, um, don't let this be the moment where the judgment comes. I pray that you would you would you would rise up, Father, and you would you would do battle for us and show us with wisdom and direction of how it is that we can assemble strategically to take back the land, to take to occupy until you come. So, Father, I pray, I pray for, for men and women of courage, for the church to wake up and stand up, for that black robe regiment to stand up and say, no, 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 not on my watch. We will no longer believe the lie that we're to stay out of politics and let the Marxists run in a run this country with a tyrannical rule. We're not doing it. We're not doing it anymore. And Father, forgive us for thinking, believing the lie that the giants are too big. <laughs> to you, they are like grasshoppers. And forgive us, God, for believing the lie that there's nothing we can do, because with you we can do all things. And so, Father, I pray that you would um, you would use this call and those watching right now to uh, to dispense courage. Uh, and, and wisdom and unity. Father, that you said when the brethren dwell in unity, there is a blessing that's commanded. So, Father, I pray for unity. I think back to Jerry Falwell, who said, there are people in this room that I wouldn't be caught dead with because times are such that we, we've got to work together. And I pray, I pray for unity in the body of Christ and for us to, to take this country back, to take our, our voting back, our voting integrity back, to take back the issue of life, Father, for the, for the federal heartbeat bill to pass at a minimum so that we can reach into every state in this country and protect your babies whose heartbeats can be heard. And I pray for our, our liberty, that we would be able to have the freedom um, to, to do the most important thing, and that is to proclaim the gospel. And so, Father, I just pray, uh, raise up your people and, 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 and unite them so that we can, uh, we can stand uh, in a place uh, uh, where you can answer and that you can meet us with your heavenly hosts that I pray you release to come and do battle because it's, it's, it's your dream for America, I know, is not over. That all that you want to achieve through this land of liberty is not done. And so, Father, I pray, mm, have your will, have your way in America and use your remnant to bring it about in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please read the show notes for additional details if you would like a copy of the book or resources mentioned. Remember that WellVersed is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. We rely on your support and partnership. Don't forget to hit subscribe to keep up to date with our latest episodes. Leave us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Thank you for listening to the WellVersed podcast. For more information, please go to www.wellversedworld.org.